Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Just End the Suffering podcast featuring New York sports talk from Long Suffering Fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips, and I've got a great show lined up for you this week. The NFL playoffs roll on. We are through Divisional Weekend. The top four teams in the league are playing this Sunday on Conference Championship Weekend. I'll be joined later in the show by Matt Verderam, who covers the NFL for Fansided, one of the hosts on the Stacking the Box podcast. We're going to talk NFL, talk about the four final four teams, look ahead to this weekend's games, all that st- good stuff. Show me the money. Also back with your conference championship picks. I had a good week last week. I looked to build on that later on in the show. Also, make sure you locked in until the end of the show of this week's two-minute drill, where I break down the end of tennis legend Andy Murray's career. Murray announced last week at the Australian Open that he's going to retire this year because of hip issues. We'll break down his legacy and what lies ahead for him after that. But we get it all started this week's opening tip. And we're going to talk about the New York Jets' dreadful decision to hire Adam Gase as their head coach. All that coming up right after this. They're an inept organization. I mean, let's look, look, let, let's be honest about it. This, there's no other way to say it. The ownership of this team is a disaster. And that's it. They're a disaster. It's the same old, same old, same old. And look, maybe the quarterback's going to overcome it all. Maybe he's going to be so good that, you know, you can only pray that. You know, maybe Mike McCagnan's going to hit a home run with the $100 million he's going to spend in, in, in uh, free agency. Maybe Mike McCagnan's going to hit. And, and Heimer thing, you know, let's not forget him because obviously he's got a big role. And I'd love to talk to that guy, by the way. Seems like he's the brains of the organization. Love to talk to him. Anyway, with that said, maybe he hits a home run with the draft. I, I, I don't know. But the history of this franchise tells me that Adam Gaze is going to be here three, maybe four years, maybe even less than that. And he's going to be gone. And Mike McCagnin is going to go right out the door with him if that's the case. All right. And we're back with this week's opening tip. That audio just heard courtesy of WFAN's Joe Beningo talking about the disaster that is the New York Jets franchise. They make a decision to hire head coach Adam Gase to succeed Todd Bowles. Gase, he of the 23-25 and 25 record in three years of the Miami Dolphins, who had been fired 10 days prior to getting this job. Now he is in charge of guiding Sam Darnold, is developing his career, and getting him to the promised land along with the Jets. Now, this is a terrible hire in my opinion. Number one, the record. That record is not great. Case made the playoffs his first year. He went 10-6. and six. Following two years, 6-10, and 7-9, and, and, and out. Got into an argument with Stephen Ross, Dolphins owner, before he got fired. Now, that record, not great. Also, five of those 23 wins have come against the New York football Jets and Todd Bowles. He's 5-1 against them, 18-24 and 24 against the rest of the league. That is not great, folks. Next question for me is, what quarterback did he actually develop? He was the offensive coordinator in Denver. He started there with the Tim Tebow offense. That didn't do a ton. He got Peyton Manning, and Peyton Manning broke records in Denver. And the 2013 Broncos had the all-time best offense in NFL history. But to be honest, I think you and I could coach the offense for Peyton Manning and put up good numbers. And then he has a year Jay Cutler, where Jay Cutler is better than he is. That's not really developing the guy. He's just sort of building on what he has. And then he gets to Miami, where he's the head guy, and he's supposed to bring out the best of Ryan Tannehill. And Ryan Tannehill is about the same now as he was when Adam Gase got there. Let's say he's just an average to slightly above average quarterback who the Dolphins are basically preparing to move on from at the end of the season. Now, 
we had a candidate out there, Mike McCarthy, former Packer head coach. He developed a young quarterback. He developed Aaron Rodgers into a superstar. Gase has not done that yet, and the Jets are trusting him to turn Sam Darnold into the franchise quarterback this, this team has been looking for since Joe Namath left in the 70s. And I don't want to hear about Gase being some offensive wizard guru. The Dolphins' offense the last couple of years, since he took over in 2016, they're 27th in the league in scoring, 31st yards per game, 25th in red zone efficiency, and 29th in point differential. That's, that's very mediocre, bad offense. And he's had some good players there. He had Jay Ajayi. He had Jarvis Landry. He's, got some good, he's had some good playmakers on the offense, more than the Jets have right now. And they asked Gase about this at his press conference on Monday. In between the crazy eyes, in between the bug eyes looking at whatever and the memes that came out of it, somebody asked Adam Gase, why is your offense stink in Miami? In nicer words, of course. And Gase comes out and says that he traded stats for wins. The Dolphins won 13 games the last two years combined. What wins was he trading stats for? They were bad on offense and they didn't win enough games. That's a problem to me. And another thing concerns Al Gaze is his attitude. He got in a fight with, with Ross, the owner, and got fired in Miami. And he's had issues with players in the past. He was in, in charge of personnel in Miami. He traded away Jay Ajayi in the middle of the 2017 season for nothing. And Ajayi went on to help the Eagles win the Super Bowl. He ran Jarvis Landry out of town, and Landry dared to say he needed a different role in the offense, and he ran Ndallon Sue out of town. That's a lot of talent out of the building in Miami. That's a big problem, Nate. And the other thing that bothers me is the fact that the big reason he got this job, one of the big reasons is that Peyton Manning took the time to call Jets owner Chris Johnson and say, you know what? You need to hire Adam Gase. He's a brilliant mind. He's great on offense, and you need him. Thanks, Peyton. You didn't want to play for the Jets in 97. You decided to stay in college next year. Now you're helping them out by getting Adam Gase a job? Fantastic. Love it. Great. Makes up for the 20 years of suffering you gave the Jets by deciding to stay in school. On the other hand, Gase's resume is terrible. Mike McCarthy, he went 125-77-2 with Green Bay. He made the playoffs nine times in 13 years. He won six division titles, and he had a Super Bowl ring. Didn't want McCarthy feel like he's old-fashioned? Fine. Why not go after June Caldwell? Caldwell has NFL coaching experience. He's coached Peyton Manning in Indianapolis. Got to the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning his first year, by the way. Won a ring under Dungy in Indianapolis. Won a ring in Baltimore as the quarterback's coach with Joe Flacco. Took over the Lions and got the Lions to the playoffs twice in four years. And the Lions notably regressed after they fired him this year. Matthew Stafford took a big step backwards. And, okay, the Jets deserve some credit for hiring a coach with experience and not treating it like a first-time job and not giving it to a Sean McVay bro like half the league did. But Gase is not a great fit here. You could tell from that press conference he's not going to be very good with the media. That's a concern. I also don't like the fact that he's not taking a break from coaching. A lot of these good coaches, a lot of the ones who succeeded on their second effort, they took some time off and were humble off of their first job. Bill Belichick... Was bad, was bad in Cleveland, got fired, spent three years under Bill Parcells again as defensive coordinator before he got a job in New England. Look what happened there. Pete Carroll, well, I don't count the Jets as first. I was only in a year. New England, played three years, got fired there, went to college for about a decade, and came back with the Seahawks and fantastic. Here are some notable coaches who jumped from year one, job one to job two right away without a layoff, and how they did. Herm Edwards, remember him, Jet fans? They traded him to the Chiefs. He went 15-33, and 
fired after three years. Rex Ryan f- jumped from the Jets to Buffalo, 15 and 16, gone in two years. Remember Eric Mangini, another J- former Jet coach, jumped right to the Browns, went 10 and 22, gone in two years. Chip Kelly, fired by the Eagles, losing that personnel struggle with Hallie Roseman, goes 2 and 14, is one year at San Francisco, and is gone. Now, only eight head coaches, eight, have won a Super Bowl in their second job after not winning in the first one. Of those eight, only one was fired from his first job and took another job right away without skipping a year or working as assistant. That guy was Tony Dungy. Are we saying Adam Gase is Tony Dungy? Are we saying he's more like Rex and Herm and Mangini and Chip Kelly? Hopeful for our sake, as Jet fans, hopefully he's more like Dungy. But I don't know. I have a lot of concerns with this hire. They feel like McCarthy was a much safer choice, a guy with a track record and a resume who has shown he can get the job done and develop a quarterback. We don't know if Gase can do that yet. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm sitting here in two, three years and saying, I eat some crow. Gase was the guy. He's gotten the Jets to where they need to be, and they're right about to win the Super Bowl. I hope I'm wrong, but history says I'm not. History says that in about two years, we're doing this again. Gase will be gone. McCagnon will be out with him, and the Jets will be starting over, and Darnold will have been three years in the league, wasted them, and have only two years left on rookie contract, which is the time to win in the NFL before your quarterback gets paid a ton of money. The Jets have the money to put talent around him. They need to get the right coach. I don't know if they did, and that's a big problem. Up next, we'll talk playoff football with Matt Verderam, who covers the league for fansided right after this. As the clock's hit zero, and they took the extra point. They get this off with a two-minute warning. A little surprise. Falls back, throws. Intercepted! Went right through Jeffrey's hands! It's Lattimore! Right through Alshon Jeffrey's hands, and Lattimore's second pick of the game, and the Saints looking to move on. All right, and we're back on the Just and the Suffering podcast, talking NFL playoffs. Joining me today is a national NFL reporter for Fansided and one of the hosts of the Stacking the Box podcast, Matt Verderam is joining me today. Matt, welcome. How are you? I'm great, Mike. How are you? I'm doing very well. It was a very exciting weekend of football we just had. Don't you think it's typical 2018, the four highest-scoring offenses in football in the last 14 standing? You know, it's been... An incredible year if you're an offensive fan, if you're an offensive team. Uh, you know, and I'm not surprised that these are the last four teams standing. When you really look at it, uh, the Chiefs, the Rams, and the Saints in particular have been dominant all year long. The Pats have been dominant for 20 years, so I guess I can't be as surprised to anybody that they're here. Ultimately, I think the NFL got their dream matchups. They got the four best teams in the league. They've got four really compelling, interesting teams. I think Goodell and company over in New York City, they've, they've got to feel pretty good about how it all shook out. Oh, I'm sure they feel great, and I feel like a lot of people slept on these teams over the weekend. I mean, didn't you like feel like last week everybody was picking all of like, the road teams to win these games? Yeah, there was a lot of upset picks. Look, I thought the Chargers' pass game would be the best game of the weekend, and it turned out to be the biggest laugher. Uh, you know, I thought San Diego or Los Angeles as it is. I'll call them San Diego forever. <laughs> uh, I, I think the Chargers had the better roster. But, boy, did they get outclassed in that game. The, the Pats had a brilliant game plan. They executed it to perfection. Uh, I thought the Colts had a shot. I thought the Chiefs were the better team. Uh, but the Chiefs have had so many years of losing in the playoffs and spots where they should win. 
Uh, but the Chiefs came out and made a statement. Uh, they they played great defensively, which is maybe the biggest shocker of the whole weekend. Uh, and then the NFC, look, I, I think the Rams, most people thought they would win. That's probably the one home team that got a lot of love. They, they took care of business. And then the Saints finally took care of Nick Foles and, and uh, his magical run over the last couple of years. So, look, again, uh, it's rare that all four home teams win in the divisional round. Usually there's one upset in there, but not the case this season. Absolutely not, and you got two great championship games. As a result, start with let's start with the Chiefs. You've covered a lot in the in the past. The Chiefs ran away from the Colts, got their first AFC title game since nineteen ninety three. There's a lot of playoff heartbreak in Kansas City over the years. What's the biggest difference with this Chiefs team as opposed to like the prior editions? Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. That is unequivocally, not even a doubt about it, the biggest difference. And look, you said it. The last time they played in an AFC title game was the nineteen ninety three season. Well, who was the quarterback for them that year? Joe Montana. Joe Montana, right? Like yep. it wasn't Steve Bono and Elvis Gerbach and Matt Castle and all this. Like quarterback play in the NFL, it trumps just about everything else. You could argue maybe a, a great coach, but look, for me, the Chiefs are different this year because they got the best quarterback in football. They've got who's going to be the MVP of the league, and that gives them a great shot to go to the Super Bowl and even win it. I, I think their offense is scary good. They have a ton of weapons. It's extremely difficult to guard them all. Uh, there's a reason they're the first team in league history to score 26 points, at least 26 points in every game. So, look, I think the Pats can win, but I think it's going to be a big challenge. Yeah, that's going to be a great game. That's the late game, and I can't, I can't believe that like the Pats are there eight years in a row. It's just remarkable if they've managed to get to this round that many times. I think it's one of the great accomplishments in NFL history. Look, you know, people always think in terms of Super Bowls, and they should. That's fine, but... Eight championship games in a row. They've been to 13 with Brady and Belichick. I mean, most franchises haven't even sniffed eight in in the history of the the team. So, look, I think New England is not as strong as it's been in recent years, but it is nothing short of miraculous that the Pats are this good every single year to get to this point. It's not easy. I get that they play in a bad division and all that. That's all fine and well, but to get to this point, you got to be a really good football team. And for them to do it as consistently as they've done it is, is absolutely spectacular. Yeah, they're the one constant in this group. It's all new teams, including the NFC side. And like the Rams and the Saints, that game's going to be so much fun because the last time they played, they won, the Saints won 45-35 in November in New Orleans. And what do you think the Rams have to do differently to win this football game? Uh, look, they're going to have to play some better defense in the secondary. Now, last time they didn't have a keep the lead. They're going to have him this time. So I think that's a big difference. But Marcus Peters can't give up 200 yards to Michael Thomas. I mean, Marcus Peters has got to play better. He was excellent for most of his time in Kansas City. Chiefs end up shipping him out. He stunk for the Rams. There's no other way to say it. He's not played well. If the Rams are going to win this game, but Peters has got to at least do a confident job. I mean, they, they, they can't go out there and allow Thomas to just run all over the field on him. Uh, I think the Saints are the slightly better team. I do think the NFC game is a little bit more of a toss-up for me than the AFC game. The Saints' offense has not been great the last couple of months. They've only scored 30 points or more once in the last, I believe, it's seven games. But their defense has done the job. Their defense has not allowed 30 points since they played the Rams back in Week 9, and I'm not counting Week 17 where they played backup. So, look, the Saints' defense has been better. I do think, though, the Rams are going to score their points. The Saints losing rankings is a big deal. Uh but ultimately, I think if, if the Rams' corners can hold up, I think they can win. If they can't, 
probably beat the Saints will score as many points as they need to. Yeah, it's curious. The over-under of that game, I think it's like 55, 57, somewhere around there. I feel like that might be an under because there's like these two teams are committed to running the ball a lot more. I feel like they might just try and play keep away a lot of the time. Yeah, look, you look at the season and a lot of these teams that are high-flying offensive teams have slowed down. The Saints, like I just mentioned, they've slowed down offensively. Uh, the Rams have slowed down to some degree. Really the only team that has it is Kansas City. Kansas City has continued to score 30 uh, as though it's like scoring 10. But like, I, I, I would take the under in the game. I, I think it's a game where look, both teams can run the ball. Wouldn't be surprised to see some ball control, especially the Rams now. They, they found T.J. Anderson, who over the last month, it, it's like watching Walter Payton run. So <laughs> look, we'll, we'll see how things go. But, yeah, I would agree. I would take the under in the game. Yeah, let's go back to the AFC game. I think it's the more interesting game of the two because – People love the Patriot, like Mystique, and everybody likes, tries to write them off and say, oh, they're done, but then they come out and have these big showings. But, like, one thing that's different here is that they're on the road in the championship game, and they have not won a road playoff game, I think, since 2007 when they won in San Diego. So I feel like that's a big edge of the Chiefs. Yeah, look, I, I would agree. The Patriots never play on the road in the playoffs. They're always a one seed. They're always at home. So you know, this is a little bit different. They're 3-4 and four on the road all time with Brady and Belichick in the playoffs. Uh, three of those losses came to Denver. But, you know, they've only played three times at Arrowhead in that era, and they're one and two. Uh, they have not played particularly well against the Chiefs. Andy Reid's teams have lit them up in the past. Look, I think the biggest problem for the Pats is Gilmore is a fantastic corner. But they, can't, they just don't match up with the Chiefs otherwise. They're going to have a hard time with Watkins now healthy and Hill and Kelsey. Damian Williams has run the ball really well. Obviously, Mahomes is, is a phenomenal player in his own right. It's just a lot to contend with. I think this game comes down to one thing. New England has to get pressure. If New England can't pressure Mahomes, they're going to lose. Because if you look at Kansas City's games this year, the only time the Chiefs' offense has even been slowed down is when teams have been able to generate pressure, specifically on a four-man rush. If the Pats can't do that and Mahomes has all day to throw, the Chiefs are going to score 40 smart points. So I think if you're New England, you've got to find a way to get pressure on Mahomes. Yeah, they also their skill position players, as you mentioned, are very scary. Like, which guy of the of that core, like Hill, Watkins, Benjamin, Danny Williams, like which is the one you feel like has got the biggest game for the Chiefs on Sunday? I would say Hill. Uh, look, they, the Pats have typically tried to shut Kelsey down, so I would assume they'll do that again. Hill has torched New England when they played them. Uh, he did it a few years ago, uh, 2016 in the opener. Uh, excuse me, 2017 in the opener. And then this year he had three touchdown catches. Went for well over 100 yards at Foxborough. So the problem with, with the Pats and Hill is the Pats are not a fast defense. And Hill is the fastest guy in the NFL. So if he gets into space, he's going to run for a while. But I think they find a way. I think Watkins will have a nice game himself. Uh, ultimately, I think, again, New England's got to get pressure. The problem with New England is they're not a pressure defense. So they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. I would never count them out because Belichick is the greatest defensive mind I've ever seen. But he's going to have to come up with one heck of a game plan to win. Yeah, the other thing interesting about this game is the whole Andy Reid factor because Andy Reid has a noble history of having uh, big letdowns and p- big spots in the postseason. Do you think he can get the monkey off his back and get the Chiefs to the Super Bowl? I do. I think they're going to win the game. Uh, I think they're better. I think they're at home. Well, they are at home, obviously. They have an extra day to prepare for the game. I think, you know, listen, that's a little advantage, but it helps. Uh, they're, they're as healthy as they've been. Uh, all year long, they're getting Lorenzo from Tardif back at right guard. Barry is practicing. They're hoping he can play. Uh, that's a big deal. If Barry plays, he's going to eliminate Gronkowski from the game. And now Gronkowski's not who he once was. He's still a good player, and he will do nothing in that game if Barry plays. So, look, I, I, think, I think the Chiefs will win. 
to be very honest, I don't think it's going to be necessarily a close game. Uh, I just I just think it's a it's a bad matchup for New England. They had to play a perfect game to win on a last second field goal up in New England, and Houston did not play in that game. Barry did not play in that game. Duvernay Tardif did not play. The Pats were totally healthy. I, I just think, in the end, look, I think the Patriots are going to you know, play hard, and I, I think they'll keep it close for a while. But I just think the Chiefs have too much firepower, and I think they'll pull away as the game goes on. All right, you have the Chiefs going through in the AFC. What about the NFC game? Who do you think they're going to play? I think it's more of a coin flip. Uh, I like the Saints, though. They're at home. It's a brutally tough place to play. Uh, and, and I trust Breeze over Goff. I think Goff's going to have a fine career in the NFL, but he's not Breeze. And I also think, look, the Rams are really a, a solid quality team, but they have some major holes defensively. And the Saints, I think if they have to, and I think they will have to, but I think they're going to exploit some of those things. Look, I think that game's close. I wouldn't be shocked. Like, if the Rams can win the turnover battle, if, if the corners can play well, I think they have a very good chance to win. But I like the Saints at home, so I think it'll be the Chiefs and the Saints in Atlanta in a few weeks. That would be one hell of a football game. Yeah, I'll be down there covering it. I can't wait. I think that would be uh, fantastic. You'd have the MVP going against who a lot of people thought should have been the MVP in brief. All right. That's Matt Verderam talking NFL. Before we go, you want everybody know how to follow you on social media and some of the other stuff you're up to? Sure. Uh, you can always find me on Twitter, at Matt Verderam, V-E-R-D-E-R-A-M-E. And I, I'm always happy to talk football, really anything else. So we have the Stack in the Box podcast. You can download on iTunes. Uh, we'll do that every week. comes out Sunday nights after the games. So check that out. And uh, beyond that, at fansided.com. We have a lot of great stuff, whether it's entertainment or sports. Obviously, I write about the NFL, but we cover everything. And, and I, I say this not biasly. It really is one of the more complete uh, websites out there. So go out and check it out. All right, be sure you check out Matt Verderam on Fansite and check out the Stacking the Box podcast. Make sure you can find that on iTunes. Matt, thanks for the time. No problem. All right, that was Matt Verderam talking NFL football, divisional playoff round in the books, conference championship games this weekend. Up next, we're going to make conference championship picks in this week's edition of Show Me the Money coming up right after this. Show me the money. All right, and we're back. Show me the money. NFL picks for the conference championship round. Only two full weekends of football left in the season. Joining me today to talk about it is a guy who we last started from doing NFL picks back in week number 12. It's Martino Puccio making his fourth appearance on the podcast. Martino, welcome back. How are you? Thanks, Mike. Glad to be back uh, fourth time. It doesn't even feel like it because it's been so spread out over the course of a few months. What was my record when I uh, came on last time? I think you were 2-1 last forget. time. Okay, winning record. I'll take it. Yeah, everyone who's come back for the playoffs had a winning record so far, so you're joining the club. Okay, okay. I got a lot to live up to then. All right. Okay. Before, you, before we get into that, though, you're a big Jet guy. What's your take on the Adam Gase hire? Um, so the thing about before I get, get even into the Adam Gase part is just that I wasn't that big of a fan of all the coaches that were out on the market. I think I liked that the fact that the Jets looked at almost every possible option and they left no stone unturned. You know, they were looking in the college ranks. There was the Matt Campbells, um, Rule, uh, they even went towards Kingsbury. We know who went to Arizona. Um, but I think what turned people most off about Adam Gase is that he's supposed to be this quarterback whisperer genius, and 
yet he didn't win anything in Miami. He had the ten and six record, I believe, in his first season, much like Bulls. Um, then they had some competitive teams. We know how they've been beaten up on the Jets the past couple of years. But to me, overall, as a head coach, I don't think he's as bad as everyone says he is. Um, he had a winning record with Ryan Tannehill. No head coach that has ever coached Ryan Tannehill has had a winning record with him. So I thought that was impressive. Um, they definitely would have made the playoffs um, if they had Tannehill this whole past season. And he probably has his job at the same time, too. I mean, whenever you put in Brock Osweiler um, under center, chances are you're not going to have a winning record to make the playoffs. Um, the Broncos were an exception just because they had a fantastic defense um, a few years ago. But I, th- I like the fact that he runs a tight ship. Uh, he's a really good fe- football mind. A lot of people around the league speak highly of him. I know that's kind of that kind of was the thing with Todd Bowles, too. But at least he has head coaching experience. Obviously, that's the first time since Bill Parcells. Um, I think we've talked about this before. It's the first time since Bill Parcells for the Jets that they had a head coach that they hired that had prior experience. Um, and he's the first since Coach Height that specializes in offense, um, which is important because all we know is that every hire and every move from here on out since they drafted Sam Darnold last spring was that the moves are about Sam Darnold and bettering him and putting the pieces around him to make uh, make him a better quarterback and give them a chance of winning the first Super Bowl in 50 years. So I think Gase does a decent job of that. I wasn't in love with McCarthy. McCarthy's record over the past few years was kind of similar to what Gase has had, and Gase didn't have Aaron Rodgers. Um, and he didn't have Tom Brady in his division with the Patriots as well. Um, so there's that. And also the best Buffalo team in 20 years. So, I mean, Gase, Gase has some negatives to it. I know I know. there's obviously people like Jarvis Landry that have come out and said that they haven't liked him. He was laughing when he got fired. Um, but you could argue at the same time that Jarvis Landry had his worst statistical season um, one year after Gase traded him and he got him for a couple third-round picks. I thought the J.A. trade was smart as well. I mean, the reason why J.A. dropped in the draft in the first place was because he had um, – he had weak knees. He didn't have knees that were going to last that long in the NFL career. That's why he went mid-round. He got the pick back for them. He tears his ACL this year. So I know the Eagles won the Super Bowl, but at the same time, in hindsight, it's another solid move by Gase. Um, but, I, I mean, overall, is this the guy that I want? No, but at the same time, I don't think I'm as dramatic and hysterical as every other Jets fan is, <laughs> or the majority of Jets fans. Uh just because that comes with the territory of not winning for 50 years. We see it all the time with Knicks fans, um, Islanders fans, um, Rangers fans, and, and Mets fans alike. Um, just If you don't win for a long time, um, <clears throat> you have a shorter patience, you have a shorter fuse with who's ever coming in here. Um, just like people are kind of on the uh, kind of against the Bro- Brody Van Wagen because he's a guy who was an agent before he came in. But it, if you're looking at it, it's really not that bad of a hire. There's other reasons why it probably won't work out. But, I mean, my point is is that like, you can't get too upset because your team hasn't won in 50 years. What, whatever happened prior to hiring a guy like Adam Gase is irrelevant because he wasn't here before that. McCagnan hires this guy for the first time. Um, the only real negative so far is the eyes because the eyes were just – 
if I, I'm not going to say anything because it's on the record and it's on your podcast, but if you want to talk off the air, I have a pretty good idea of why his eyes might be looking like that. Um, but I guess that's pretty much uh, all I have to say there. So I, I like it. I think it's more of a higher that we have to sit back, wait, and watch and give him his opportunity. Yeah, I agree. I feel like now, like I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the hire, but I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping that like bring in Greg Williams to coach defense is great. Fans want to hope they're wrong because yeah. every Jets fan knows what, what happens if they're wrong. If they're happen. right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Greg Williams coming in. They have a lot of stuff they have to do. We'll save that talk for another day. We're talk- here to talk about the playoffs today. What was your big takeaway from last weekend's games? What was the most thing that caught your eye the most? <sighs> what is that? Um. You know what? I I was really impressed. There there was a couple of teams in the NFC that impressed me. I think three teams in particular. Um, I'll go in order on who impressed me the most. I'm actually going to go with the Los Angeles Rams. I think low-key, they had the most pressure out of any team um, going into the divisional round. There's all this talk about how great their offense was. Um, Jared Goff was playing a little shaky down the stretch you know he wasn't in his true form that he had in the first half of the season um they didn't win their playoff game last year when they hosted uh the Atlanta Falcons there um there was a lot on the line um was Todd Gurley healthy or not was CJ Anderson really going to be able to replicate what he was doing at the end of the season against a tough Cowboys defense one of the best in the league and they answered all those questions I thought Jared Groff played fantastic that offensive line for the Rams was great um so they really impressed me there. Todd Gurley looked healthy. Um, then, then I really thought the Eagles were so impressive. I know they lost, um, but with everything that had happened to their secondary, everybody that they lost, um, they still found a way to show that they were a championship-type team, and they were able to keep it close late against the Saints, who the Saints and New Orleans, I don't know if you could fact-check me on this, but I believe since they're in the Super Bowl, they haven't lost a playoff game in the Dome. Yeah, um, if yeah, they've I don't, lost, they've lost on the road. Yeah, I don't think they've lost a home playoff game under Peyton and Breeze. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's all you can ask for. They they went there late, unfortunately, and went off after on Jeffrey's hand. But, and, I mean, look, the NFL kids, and it takes away just last week, they were fortunate enough to win a game where a ball with the double doing with Cody Parkey. So, I mean, that's the way it goes sometimes. Um, and then the Pats. I mean, I only put the Pats here at three. Because you and I alike, I know you think similar to me, that we're not really surprised by the Patriots. The Patriots are, the Patriots dynasty with Brady and Belichick is not over until it's over. You know, until the fat lady sings like Yogi Berra used to say. It, it's not over. You can't count these guys out. They have one of the best uh, statistics that I saw was that the New England Patriots under Brady and Belichick in weather of 26 degrees or less we're 16-3 and three heading into that game on Sunday against the Chargers. They absolutely throttled them in what looked like probably Philip Rivers' last chance to really get a shot at his Super Bowl. Um, who knows what happens. Um, he really looks like he's on uh, the twilight now, um, even though he played well. But he, he just the, the pass and Brady, I, I mean, what, what can you say, man? They just, they just keep on doing this we, uh, year in, year out, back into another AFC Championship game. Yep, they're back again. Top four seeds all in the conference championship round. Before we pick these games, let's reset the standings of the playoff challenge. My buddy Justin Diaz was here last week, came in saying he's going to get 10 points, and he got zero. Wow. 
So he went 0 for 4. He had the Colts as his four point pick, Chargers three point pick, Saints two point pick, Cowboys one point pick. I went three for four on the week. I had the Eagles my four point pick, Chiefs three, Rams one. Got the Chargers wrong, so I earned eight points. I'm up 12 to four at this point in the playoff challenge. So Diaz not doing us any favors. Wow. No. I mean, he, he, gave, he gifted you that. Sorry to him. Otherwise, it would be mathematically impossible to come back, given the amount of points. So if I have opened it up, we're going to do over-unders today to give us give the challenger a chance to come back in this. So we're going to do the game, the two games and the two over-unders. At the same confidence scale, 4-1. to one. that work for you? Sure, that's fine. All right, so we will get it going, and we will start with the NFC title game. Sunday, 3.05 on Fox, Rams-Saints. At the Superdome, Saints won 45-35 over the Rams in the Dome back in week number nine. They are three-and-a-half-point favorites today. Martino, who are you taking in this game? Um, well, heading into the playoffs, they were my Super Bowl pick um, just because of everything I just mentioned prior to that um, earlier with Sean Payton and Drew Brees. These guys just don't lose in the Dome. Um, the, uh, the Eagles gave them a run for their money. We know how close that game was earlier in the season when the Rams and Saints faced off against each other. Um, this is this is really legacy defining for Drew Brees because you know he gets back to that second Super Bowl. They have a really good chance of getting that, and he was making the plays late at the end of the game. Uh, Alvin Kamara is just a fantastic football player. There's guys who make plays at the end of the games. I trust the Saints defense more, especially in that dome. Is Jared Goff able to handle that pressure again? Um, I'm not really convinced like that. I'm going to take the Saints with the points here. And what confidence grade are you getting from 1 to 4? Um, I'm going to give it a 3. Okay. Um, I don't think you could be that confident. Um, at the end of the day, the Saints defense isn't the greatest. Sean McVay, I think, is an innovator. I think he's a genius. Um, this game is going to be close. I think it's going to be very high scoring, but at the, at the same time, these games are always tight. I'd be shocked if it would be a blowout. Yeah, I'm going against you there. I'm going to take the Rams as a one-point pick just because of the number, a three-and-a-half. I think this is a field goal game either way, so I'm going to take the Rams with the point. I do think the Saints will end up winning this game. Let's go to the over. That was a one-confidence scale for me, by the way, because I, I don't trust it too much. But we're going to do next to the over on of that game. That is 57 points. Are you taking the over or the under? Man, um, I'm going to go over. It's just going to be so fast-paced. Uh, I, I don't think the Rams are a fantastic uh, red zone team. Um, but at the same time, this is this, these offenses are just so high-octane. Um, I think it's going to be very close, though. If, I, if I'm going to take the over, I think it'll be like... 33, like a 36 to 30 game, um, because I had a, I took the Saints with the over. Yeah. I, I know that's high scoring for today's NFL, but it's not going to be. It's going to be spread out, you know, over the course of the game. I don't think it's going to be in bunches. I think it's going to be touchdown spread out, you know, like 10 points here, 10 points there, and a quarter or so. Uh, but I'll take the over with that. It's just these offenses are just too much fun to watch. How many points are you getting on the one to four scale? You have a one, two, and a four available. Um, I'm going to go with a two. I'm, I'm not that confident in it, but I'll go with a two there. Okay, I am taking the under with a three-point confidence. I feel like these two teams show the last couple of weeks they want to run the football. I feel like they're going to try and play keep away, and I'll keep the score down. That's my pick logic there. Let's go to the AFC title game. Patriots-Chiefs, 640 CBS. 
in Arrowhead. Patriots won by three at Foxborough in week six. Now the venue is flipped. Chiefs are three-point favorites. Martino, where are you going with this game? Uh, man, I think the Pats are going to cover this. I think the Pats are just going to are going to win. I, I, the cold weather games. Pat Mahomes. This is like, like the pressure. You know, the pressure is on this kid, but he just doesn't around game. They're like, is is this a playoff game? Because the way he is just outplaying Andrew Luck, and I know there's different dynamics. You know, quarterbacks don't play each other; they play the defenses and the opposing coaches. But it was just like there was just no answer for him. There's been no answer. Weapons will go down like Kareem Hunt, and he doesn't even blink an eye. It's absolutely unbelievable. But Tom Brady and the Patriots, I, it, I, I just can't go against them here. Um, I think last time they lost on the road might have been to Denver um, in the AFC title game a couple years ago when Denver won the Super Bowl. Um, I, I just love the Pats running game so much. I don't really trust that Chiefs defense, so I'm going with Brady in the Pats again. Uh, four or one on the conference, guys. What you got left? I'm I'm gonna go with a four, just because it's just because it's the Pats. I mean, <laughs> it's the most least confident four you could probably have. But since I used up my others uh, before, I think I think going with my most confident pick in the Patriots, I I think I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm actually going right against you with that. Taking the Chiefs is with my full four points. Pats have not won a road playoff game since 2007. They have not been on the road a lot, but they've 0-3 on the road since then. I like the fact that the Chiefs are home. The Pats are 3-5 on the road this year, and this is a different Chief team. That They have too many weapons the Patriot defense to cover. I think they'll take one away, but they can't take away everybody. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game going away. I take the Chiefs with the three going to the Super Bowl for the first time since 1970. Mm, that's a good precursor for the Jets then, and that might mean they might go to the Super Bowl for the first time next year. That would be great. Last but not least, we have the over-under. This game is 55 points. Taking the over or the Ooh. under? Over. Over one. I'm going over as well, over two. This game is going to be a barn burner. These two teams are going to score a ton of points. Oh, yeah. I, I totally believe that as well. I just I just think that neither defense to me, I think they're, they both have the least impressive defenses through the last 14, the left here. I don't know if you would agree with that or not. Um I, I would take. I would be more confident in the Patriots' defense just because it's Belichick scheming it, and everyone want to bet against him. But at the same time, they don't have an answer for Pat Mahomes. They didn't have one in Foxborough. I don't think they're going to have one here. Um, but if they do, I Mahomes is still going to get his. You know, I, even if he does turn the ball over, I still see them putting up a ton of points. Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. I don't think they have answers for them. And on the flip side, I don't think they're going to be able to stop the running game of Sony Michelle, James White out of the backfield. Um, all cylinders are starting to click again after that game against uh, the Chargers. So I think the over is uh, pretty easy here, even though I picked one. All right, reset the picks. Rams-Saints game. Martino has the Saints with the three-and-a-half points. As a three-point confidence, I have taken the Rams. One-point confidence, thinking the game will be a field goal or less. Martinez taking the over in that game of 57 as a one. I'm under at a three's confidence scale. AS title game. Martinez taking the Pats and the three points, four point confidence. I'm taking the Chiefs laying the three points, four confidence. Over, we both take the over. Martino has a one confidence. I have a two confidence. And those are your picks for conference championship week on Show Me the Money. Martino, before we go, real quick, I know you're a big NBA guy. We talked NBA in the podcast back in October. What's the biggest thing you need to know about the NBA right now? 
biggest thing throughout the NBA, um, I mean, there's so many different storylines. We know how dramatic the NBA is. Um, I'm not going to be biased to the Celtics. I'm going to I'm going to actually keep it uh, positive um, and just what James Harden has been doing the past couple weeks. I don't know if you've been keeping track of it. Um, casual NBA fans, I'm sure, have noticed. But he is on one of the most legendary offensive runs that a player has ever been on um, in NBA history. He's just absolutely been ridiculous. Every player and each player that goes down of importance on the Rockets just seems to fuel him and make him a better player. He's keeping their playoff hopes alive while Chris Paul, Clint Capella, and all the other guys are out. He's been absolutely fantastic. He's one of the main storylines this season. Um, following up an MVP campaign last year. He's looking to go back-to-back, I think, would be the first time uh, since Steph Curry. Yeah, that would be impressive. Martina, for you, uh, you want to let everybody know how to find you on social media and some of the other stuff you're up to? Yes, you can find me on social media, as always, at Martino Puccio, slowly growing a little bit. I'm going to have something very, very exciting on my Twitter as soon as this coming Tuesday. It pertains to uh, my thesis documentary, um, which I will be releasing in May. Um, I'm not going to say what it's on yet. Mike, you know what it's on already. But it's something pertaining to that and Baseball Hall of Fame. That's all i got to say. That'll be up on Tuesday. That will be very exciting. So check that out if you're a big fan of baseball and especially the Hall of Fame. Yeah, very good tease there. I'll be sure to check that out. You already know what this is. Martino, thanks again for the time. All right, thank you. All right, that was Martina Puccio with your NFL picks for Show Me the Money Conference Championship round. Up next, this week's two-minute drill. We're talking about the end of Andy Murray's tennis career. That's coming up right after this. All right, and we're back this week's two-minute drill. I want to talk about the end of Andy Murray's career. That clip you just heard, courtesy of the BBC, when Andy Murray won Wimbledon in 2013. Frequently the fourth of the big four tennis players of the generation, Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic, and Murray. He announced last week that he is retiring because of hip issues. He wants to play his final tournament at Wimbledon this summer, but he cannot guarantee that he will make it to Wimbledon because of the chronic hip pain he's been dealing with for the past couple of years. He missed a ton of last year due to surgery on the hip, trying to make it better. It has not worked. Let's hear from what Andy Murray had to say at his retirement press conference. Just just playing with no idea when the sort of the, the pain was gonna pain was gonna stop. Um, and I I felt like making that decision um you know I, I said to my team look i think i can kind of get through this until until wimbledon that is where where i would like to that that that's where i would like to stop um stop playing um but I, i'm i'm also not certain i'm able to do that that's tough. You hear him. You hear very emotional at the end of that press conference, and he's been through a lot. And people don't appreciate how great a player he actually is. In this era, he won three Grand Slams. He won Wimbledon twice and won the U.S. Open. He won two Olympic gold medals. He went to eleven Grand Slam finals. 
he has the unfortunate problem. He's being compared to three of the greatest players to ever play in Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal. In any other era, three Grand Slam titles, 11 final appearances, and two gold medals is a fantastic career. But because he's playing in this great era of dominant players, it's being forgotten. And remember this. He was the first British man to win Wimbledon, the most prestigious tennis tournament in the world, since Fred Perry in 1936. That's a 77-year gap. Imagine if an American golfer didn't win the Masters for 77 years. And what kind of drama we'd have in the media here, talking about how, oh, the American golfers are gone, they're all terrible, we can't win our own event. Murray had that pressure in Wimbledon and won it twice. That's incredible. And let's be honest, he's always been a very classy guy. Andy Murray could have gotten very frustrated running to the wall of having to face Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, Novak Djokovic over and over again and having his dreams cut short by them. But he's always been one of the classiest guys on the tour. And another thing that's underrated about Murray, he has been one of the biggest advocates for gender equality on the on the tour. He's promoted equal pay for female players. He's in calling for women to get more showcase matches, especially in Wimbledon center court. And he hired former WTA number one player, Amelie Moresma, to be his coach in 2014. That's right. A top male tennis player took on himself to hire a female coach, which was almost unheard of and drew a ton of criticism for almost no reason. And Murray promptly stood up for her and pointed out that she was a good fit for the job. And again, he does this not just behind closed doors. He does this in the media for everyone to see. When a journalist in 2016 praised Murray for becoming the first person to win two gold medals in Olympic tennis, he correctly pointed out that he was not the first. The Williams sisters had won four gold medals already prior to him. He corrected the report and didn't just take credit for it. The guy has always been a tremendous player and a class act on and off the court. And he will be missed by the tennis world. Now, he gave the tennis world one more classic this week. He had a five-set thriller at the Australian Open losing in the first round. Hopefully, he gets to go out on his own terms, get the Wimbledon, have a spotlight match on center court, and go out a champion. Not of the tournament, but just go out to the praise of a champion. He deserves that. Hopefully, he gets it. And that's going to do it for today's show. I want to thank my guests, Matt Verderam and Martino Puccio, for coming by to talk NFL playoffs and make NFL picks, respectively. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including my look at the New York Knicks tanking season and how they're going to zonk for Zion, be sure to check out my blog over at justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play, simply by searching for Just and the Suffering in the podcast store and in the Google Play music section. Be sure to leave your feedback and star ratings. I'll make the show get even better going forward. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And tweet at me with the, with the hashtag McVeighBro if you made it to the end of today's show. Next week, we're going to do more NFL playoffs. We're going to do more, maybe some baseball. Hall of Fame announcement coming out next week. Hopefully, that'll be good. Hopefully, have some trauma there. All that coming up. Until then, I hope you have a better week than Cowboys fans. <laughs>